Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Amar Grigic, and today with me is uh, Mark Landman. He is uh, one of the founders for Dot Control. Welcome, Mark. Yes, thanks, Amar. Uh, no problem at all. Thank you for being here. And uh, of course, I would like to start off a little bit with uh, with your background and mm. uh, how you got to start Dot Control. Yeah. Well, my, my background is that we were uh, students. Uh, I was a student at uh, Erasmus University, uh, later on uh, moved to the HBO. Um, uh, and uh, we started as, as, as two freshmen um, uh, with a specific interest in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, on my side, I was more interested in design and the front-end part, and my business partner, Rutger, he was more interested in the, the really techy stuff. And then uh, we started doing projects. Um, first, uh, just for families and friends, later on for advertising agencies, and uh, after year three, uh, we went full-time with the organization. Um, and now we've grown to uh, to a group of uh, agencies uh, working with 85 people uh, on different locations. Very cool. And in that kind of uh, first, because when was the kind of period that you started uh, this all? It was, uh, I think, 2001 when we when we started it, and mm-hmm. in 2004 we went full time with it. Ah, okay. And was it more in the the kind of website realm, or was it also the kind of applications and stuff like that? What was yeah, the... we we did uh, websites, uh, web applications, uh, but mainly a lot of advertising stuff. So banner ads, landing pages, microsites, uh, yeah, even screensavers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really old school. <laughs> <laughs> really old school, really old school. And why was this? Um, uh, why did you actually start with this? Because I can imagine in that kind of t- time period, uh, the kind of internet was coming up and yeah. websites and stuff like that. But what was the kind of idea behind doing this? Was it just because people asked you, or? No, it was primarily out of interest uh, and passion. Um, I think Rutger and I uh, share a common hobby, which is uh, being a geek and uh, playing around with tech. Mm. Um, I've been doing it since childhood, and I think that for Rutger, uh, the, the same accounts. Okay. Um, so we're always fooling around with computers and trying out new stuff. Um, actually, when we started uh, Dot Control, uh, it was just, I think, two or three days after the internet first internet bubble burst. Mm. Um, so it was the day when World Online, I think, didn't went well uh, then we started a company we figured oh that's that's a good moment <laughs> <laughs> and was it a good moment uh, well in, in retrospect it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because i can imagine a lot of uh, a lot of websites tanked by, uh, back then right yeah. And, uh, yeah. and 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 a lot of people would say that's not the right moment to start building websites and stuff like that. But uh. well, I, I think in, in times of crisis, it's a, it's a very good moment to start a, to start a company mm-hmm. um, because then there's room for innovation and, and doors are opening up because people or companies are searching for new opportunities. Yeah. Um, so uh, especially when we were small, um, that gave us a lot of chances to work for bigger brands. Yeah. So, because you started basically out of an attic, right? <laughs> Literally out of, out, out of two attics. <laughs> out of two attics, yeah. And that, that's that's a that's a nice way to to kind of go, go through the the whole path you went through. Yeah. Uh, because uh, just to get back on what dot control does, can you explain it a little bit more, just uh, for the people to know? Because a lot of mm-hmm. cha- has changed since uh, since you started. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what we do today is we we build the ambitions uh, of our clients, uh, mm-hmm. which are primarily mid-sized to large organizations uh, and then with a specific focus on digital. So we help them to realize their digital ambitions, which 
in a lot of cases, bringing growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is we first def- define the ambition with the client. So where do you want to where, where do you want to be within let's say three to five years, and then um, we bring that into execution. So then we we uh, take a look at the data. From the data, we develop a strategy. From the strategy, we, we develop a concept. Uh, the concept uh, is then developed into a project, and then around it, we bring the whole structure and culture uh, to bring it to life. Yeah, and how. Um how does it work with a client, for example? So, say for instance, uh, I want to uh, I want to hire you guys. Um, are the clients that you work for mostly kind of mature companies that already have that in place, or do they really need a lot of help with the kind of strategy st- stuff and uh, stuff like that? Um, well, it depends from client to client. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our clients already have a, a company strategy in place, um, or they have defined it themselves, or with some help from from large uh, consulting firms. Yeah. Um, but then making the pivot from from that company strategy into a digital strategy, uh, that's something we assist them with. And yeah. With, with and with smaller clients, um, uh, they don't have a a, a company strategy uh, or a, a small company strategy. We also have to help them on that side. Yeah, that's cool because I think. That that, um, that's different than a lot of agencies do uh, right now, right? A lot of agencies that I see around me, especially when they're like building websites and uh, maybe mm-hmm. applications, they're usually like, okay, uh, then they don't even look at that kind of strategy maybe. They they just say, okay, we have this project, we need to build a website. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, they also ask, okay, what do you want to have on the website and what does it need to kind of portray for, mm-hmm. for others? Uh, do you feel it's, that's also kind of the, the, the real difference between you and maybe other agencies or in, in the Netherlands? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think that's, a, that's a, a big difference because we don't do a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got client relationships. And that's a big difference because if, you, if you're in the game for, for a project, then the client comes to you and says, I want a website or an app or whatever kind of mean. Um, and then it directly flows into specs and design and then you're going to build it. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what we do differently is that we don't know in advance what the product will be. So there is no project yet. Uh, there's only a question mark on the client side um, so first we need to define that, that what, the, what the question mark is and then from that point on assist the client towards uh, the, the product or project phase mm. um, so also the the level we're talking to with a lot of clients is, is, is different um, of course at the end of the day you're, you're always talking to the e-commerce manager or the marketing director or whatever but uh, initially in most cases we, we talk to the board mm. yeah. and uh, how um how does it fare within a company like that? Because they see, uh, for example, you you guys come in mm-hmm. from from the outside. Um, how how do you kind of manage that the the people that are on the floor at the client as well that they go with that kind of idea as well? Mm-hmm. Is that also the reason why you say that you like to talk with the board first before you you go to the actual workspace? Yeah. Um, what we always try to do is, well, of course, you have to talk to the stakeholders mm-hmm. because at the end of the, end of the day, uh, it's their company and, and their end responsible. Um, but what we're trying to do is really close the gap between the stakeholders and what we call the growth team. So um, it's, we don't have a, a classical supplier and uh, a client relationship. Um, it's we, we create one holistic team um, with, uh, and we think that the culture aspect in that team is very important. Yeah. And those teams are also always multidisciplinary on the client side, but also on, on our side. Um, and then um, we make sure that the system is there so that the team is up and running uh, in sprint cycles, agile or scrum, yeah. like, uh, like, like most agencies do. Uh, the only, th- only difference is that we, we connect the results, but also the input of the team towards the stakeholders. Um, and that really closes the gap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can imagine that that's the, 
that's the the hardest part to do is to actually get that uh, that that click right that click between yeah. the the team and the the actual client side because uh, you're talking about longer periods here yeah. uh, that's not going to be like three or four months right no. it's, a, it's a, so is that also the kind of pool that you or the the clients that that uh, that hire you is that also something that they they usually look for in a in a in this kind of a partnership it differs um mm. with a lot of clients they do yeah uh, and some don't initially um uh, but after the first uh, well MVP, so minimum viable product launch, uh, then it goes into an operational mode. And then uh, uh, in most cases they see, okay, this is not like a one-shot thing. Um, it's more of a long-time trajectory. Um, yeah. Uh, so yes, that, that's, that's true. Yeah, I think that a lot of, um, when I look at it, a lot of agencies um, should be doing this, right? So they, they should be looking at this kind of way of working as well, I think, uh, where uh they they actually add that value by just not, not just by being there but also to, to actually see okay we've been working with this client for example for a year now mm -hmm. uh, and we know what their pains are and then we can also propose new stuff that that need to be fixed or that they didn't even think about yeah uh, and that's that's the kind of the kind of third person view that you have from uh, from your perspective as mm -hmm. well um and what I was wondering about, because in a previous conversation we talked about, um, we we talked about you having some kind of resets in uh, in these years that you've uh, you've started as well, uh, where you wanted to go with. Th there was kind of questions like, okay, where where do you want to go as a company and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Could you could you tell a, a little bit about what what happened in those kind of reset periods that you had? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> because it's not it's not all fine and dandy all, all the time. That's what it's, a it's lot of people see. It's definitely not all fine and dandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bumpy road getting there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, well, when we go back to 2001, when we started as, as two students, um, the first bump is to get from, from two students in the dorm room into a real company, which mm -hmm. was for us a big step uh, at the time. Um, uh, so then in 2004, when, when we went full-time with the, with the, the company, uh, we were like a production house, um, uh, working for advertising agency and also directly for some brands. And then the company started growing, but we still were like this production house up to, I think, 2010, 2011. Um, at 2010, 2011, we were with uh, around, I think, 15 people or so, so quite small. Um, and then uh, we, we've taken a look at, the, at, the, at our company and like everything was bad. Um, our corporate, uh, corporate identity was really, really bad. <laughs> Systems were bad. We were losing every pitch. And to be quite honest, it was also fair because we were just producing very, very, well, not so good stuff. Mm. Um, uh, so then um, we decided, okay, we can do two things. Uh, we can stop with it uh, and find a job, uh, or we can uh, flop everything around. And um, so then we redefined our ambition um, and we moved from uh, delivering products to delivering this ambition. But, but we weren't even able to, to, to win a pitch or deliver a strategy. So first we needed to, to find out, okay, how, how, how do you define a strategy? Um, uh, how do you win a pitch? So we invested heavily in, in, in systematizing the organization, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and then in our minds, we had it, uh, but in, well, actual day life, uh, it wasn't the case. Mm. Um, so th there were a lot of moments and a lot of setbacks um, getting there uh, with, with lost pitches and uh, also internal struggles and, and procedures, uh, that kind of stuff. It took, I think, about about three years before we got it. Um, uh, and uh, and th that was the moment when, when, when the growth started. Um, mm. And in 
in the period in between, it was also during the, the financial crisis. Yeah. So like we were doing uh, open heart surgery uh, in our organization in the midst of crisis. Um, and we, were, we are totally autonomously financed. So we do not have any bank loans or external uh, venture capital, for instance, in our, in our organization. Yeah. So it was in a crisis period uh, with the organization um, uh, totally open. Um, and um, uh, and then we also figured that may- maybe it was a good idea to have like the open uh, open heart surgery the tra- trajectory, and in parallel maybe it was a good idea to to also fund some startups and uh, start working over there. So focus was like totally lost. Yeah. Um, and in those days, uh, well, we had a lot of cash issues, uh, culture issues, structure issues. Uh, it was one big nightmare. Mm. Um, uh, although and, and then and, and at a certain point we just decided okay we need to focus um, uh, and then when we focused um, that was like a big pivoting moment because then things started to work we started to win pitches um, uh, money was flowing flowing back again we could invest in better people better people bought, uh, brought uh, better quality better quality bought in bigger projects um, uh, rock boost like the the our growth hacking agency was also founded in those days they were, it was getting more mature we were able to connect uh, the pro processes of Rockboost and Dot Control together. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2015, we were able to really uh, win pitches um, uh, and also deliver up to our promise. Yeah. What, what were some of the, 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 maybe the, not the, yeah, well, they're the hardest decisions to make, but what, what are some of the decisions that you made where you really saw that it was turning around? Because I can imagine uh, when you, when you, as you said, when you're working day to day, you can see yeah. all these kinds of things around you. And like, yeah. uh, that's not really that good, but okay, like we're we're gonna progress with it. What were some of the decisions that um, that you thought when you when you did them? These are gonna really turn the ship around, if you can uh, call it like that. Yeah. Well, there were multiple, of yeah. course. Um, I think one of the first big pivoting moments uh, was around, uh, I think, well, 2013 when we were like restructuring, mm-hmm. and it was the moment when we did, when we decided that um, we should focus really on on working systematically, so that um, uh, we got the vision that that we should build an agency which works like an airliner. So everything within an airliner is a system, um, uh, and we copied that into the agency. So we systematized everything and. Um, from defining strategy up to cleaning the coffee machine, uh, everything uh, is, is a system now. And by doing that, we were able to attack our systems constantly. Um, uh, and that gave us the freedom uh, to change things in a very, very rapid pace. Uh, mm. And also, and, and, and due to that, we were, we were able to really improve quite fast. So that was, um, uh, I think, uh, a big pivoting moment. Another big pivoting moment was the fact, the moment when we decided um, not to hire on skills, but on personality. Um, when we started the company, we, we were like, well, we're students. So we're managing the company in a way that we thought it was, uh, it, it should be. Uh, yeah. Like very, uh, with a very strong hierarchy and very strong and direct. Um, and then we learned, well, that's maybe not so good for culture. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. Yeah. You, don't, you, you don't deliver happy people then. Yeah. Um, so then we embraced this delivering happiness uh, principle, like bringing a smile um, and then really took it to the edge um, uh, and by doing that uh, not only focusing on the skills and so, so not focusing on the skills but more on the personality and really embracing this delivering happiness stuff um, we were able to get like a really really strong culture and 
if you hire people with the same personality who are open and friendly and uh, uh, have a very strong hygiene in their work, uh, are focused and talented, um, and, and fun people, you know, people you can drink a beer with, yeah. um, then it becomes like a, like a flywheel. I don't know if it's correct English. Yeah, but, uh, it yeah. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, it's the organization is then, and you work systematically, then the organization is enabled to improve itself in quite a rapid pace, and you have a lot of fun on the side. Yeah. yeah. I always say that... The, or a lot of people ask me like okay what do you look for when you for example hire someone and i'm i'm always like you know it can be the best developer ever but if that person can't communicate what they are doing Mm. then it's kind of over right (laughs) that's and and i would much rather have someone that maybe doesn't have those hard skills yet but wants to learn them yeah and has that openness to them that that will that will actually propel you further than just having someone that's really good but is really rigid in what what he or she absolutely uh, agree yeah and uh what, what i was wondering about uh, you to- told uh, a little bit about that systematic uh, approach mm-hmm. uh, was that more in kind of like procedures or was it how how was how did you implement that so how did you what did you do actually it started with um uh, well, we, we, we had multiple companies at the time yeah. and we were searching like a standardized way uh, to define strategy. Well, basically, we needed to write a business plan at the end of the year for each company and I was a bit lazy, so I didn't, <laughs> want, to, I didn't want to write a business plan for every company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that was the best. so I was looking for a more, uh, for a smarter way to, to come to, to a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think it was Rutger or Chris, he, he came up with, with the Rockefeller Habits. Um, uh, which is a, a strategic framework, uh, but it also provides you a system on how to um, uh, run your company uh, with a very lightweight strategy and it gives you focus and there are a lot of handles in there. Okay. Um, and that was basically the first system we adopted. Um, so we were able to not only define a, a business plan quite fast, which was handy because I was lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> is it just for the documents? I, I can imagine like creating those documents is yeah. always the thing I'm lazy on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like like being in a, being in your office and yeah. typing for days. That's, yeah. that's I think a thing that no entrepreneur wants. No, nope. uh, or nobody even wants. Um, um, so that, that was like the first system. Um, uh, and it was first initiated only uh, uh, in the management team. Um, but because it was a framework, we had to also connect the whole organization to it. And then we saw, hey, this is a system and it works. Um, uh, so then we really adopted this system thinking and system mindset. Um, and it also uh, was the time when Rockboost was um, was created. And Rockboost, well, what they do, the growth hacking is uh, data-driven um, marketing and data-driven development in a very systematic way. Mm-hmm. So the whole system thinking was also in there. And then we connected those two. And then we said, okay, we should really embrace the system thinking and um, and bring it into each vein of the organization. Yeah, because uh, uh, a lot of people, when you talk about like systems and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, stuff like that, people think it's really rigid, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and it has to be like this and you can't like stray away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you uh, did, did because i can imagine it's not like that <laughs> no no it's not like that at all but how, how does it work in practice for you then is it you said you have a lot of freedom because of it but mm-hmm. um how do you look at that system then is it is it really um because that can be something like a vision or something like that where it's really broad and you can maneuver within it right mm-hmm. is that the way you implemented it um well, for example, if, if we implement a system, <clears throat> let's say we want, uh, <clears throat> we have the need of some kind of new reporting structure somewhere sure. in the organization. Yeah. Well, then there are, there are two ways. 
or you can make a big project out of it um, uh, and then start designing and building, etc., etc. Uh, or you can just create a very tiny um, and, of course, very poor initial version of the system, uh, which can be a, a piece of paper or an Excel sheet. It doesn't really matter. Uh, there's one thing that you know for sure that the system will fail uh, because it's not the end version, but yeah. you already have something in place. And the thing with systems is that... Um, it, uh, uh, it, it also brings you hygiene uh, because a system runs in well periods or time frames um, and, and due to that you can revise it and then you can also alter it if you do something ad hoc then it pops up and then it's down again it's yeah. pop-ups and it's down again and you go from left to right and up and down um, so what we do is we first build the MVP uh, of the pro of, of the, the, the process or the system can be in any, any kind of way. Um, and then from that point on, we start iterating and pivoting. So mm. um, the first week we have, it's a piece of paper. Second week, it's an Excel sheet. Um, third week, it's a more advanced Excel sheet. And then maybe after four months, we have a new uh, application in place. And then we put it in the data lake and then we put BI on it. And um, um, But every week the reporting schedule is in place, um, for instance, for this system. Mm. Um, and that's the way how we, how we pivot and, and iterate. So it, it gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because that that um, it's kind of looking at your company the way you look at building a product as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I, I I never thought about it that way because but you 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 could really implement that in a in a in a cool way. So uh, I want to talk a lot about about something else as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, something that you are passionate about is of course technology. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, and especially seeing how new ones can uh, can be used for clients as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, how um, how do you kind of keep that spirit alive of seeing those new opportunities as well for clients? Uh, how do you how do you how have you kind of implemented that in your organization? Uh, well, within our organization, um, we do it in, in various ways. Um, uh, one of the things that we everybody who works at Dot Control is also kind of geeky and they love innovation. Uh, so I think um, innovation is in their DNA. They do it in their spare time. They do it at work. Um, and of course, we do a lot of uh, facilitating in, in bringing that, uh, that spirit to life. Um, uh, for instance, we've got Dot Control Laboratories, which is our internal lab, um, which first started out as, as like an internal thingy just to geek around with uh, with stuff yeah. um so we, we, we what we do is we, we are researching the future uh, we are playing around with new tech it can be digital but it can also be with sensors or whatever um and then we build prototypes and then those prototypes are connected to projects um that's how it's how it started off initially there weren't even projects we were just fooling around with new tech so that maybe someday, someday somehow we could use it uh, in real life. Um, uh, but, but then at a certain point, we, we, uh, some clients were really interested in, in, in the lab and, and now we do a lot of client projects with it. So oh, okay. um, we just say, okay, um, client X, uh, I'm interested in AI or in computer vision, which is also AI, but um, yeah. um, um, uh, can you, we've got an issue like this in our organization, uh, maybe we can do something around, something something with it. Yeah. And and um, that's how we work with uh, with innovation. Uh, and I'm especially interested in the combination of innovation and, and organizational structures. Because what, what we see happening, or maybe I see happening, is that technology is going faster and faster and faster. Um, uh, which, which means that it also, the accessibility of technology is also becoming easier and easier. Um, 
so the possibility are getting are getting endless and things are are, are emerging uh, especially if, if quantum kicks in uh, yep. that kind of stuff uh, ai is not like uh, in a in a in a lab phase anymore but it, it's a service in the cloud you can just talk to with your application uh, the only thing is that organizations and their structures are not keeping up in the pace in which technology is evolving. So my personal interest is how can we create organizations and structures which are able to adopt the, that the technology change quite fast yeah. uh, with a strong focus of, of people. Um, and um, uh, and I think that's the funny thing. It's, it's the same thing that we were doing in 2001 when we were like two students. We were just geeking around with, yeah. with tech and then bringing it to organizations. That's what we basically do, still do. Yeah. Um, you just have a bigger group. <laughs> you, yeah, bigger group, it. bigger clients. Yeah. And, and that's that's also the thing which which gives us the kick, um, bringing new tech to larger organizations and really help them with it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I I I feel like uh, that's a good point because um, uh, what I see around me is like. Uh, especially the bigger companies right mm-hmm. they, they struggle with this mm-hmm. like really a lot yeah. like they're like okay we want to innovate but we all have these old legacy systems in place and we can't really hook them up to the things we we want to uh, mm-hmm. to to get that value to the customer yeah um and that's that's something that i've noticed as well and that that uh, what a lot of clients or what a lot of people do, what I've seen, uh, and I've talked to a few of them on the podcast as mm-hmm. well, is that they kind of create that lab environment as well yeah. within their existing corporate, mm-hmm. uh, for example. And then they have a, a bunch of people that work in that lab and try stuff out. But for some reason, I don't feel like that's the most effective thing for those kind of types of uh, companies as well, because their uh, whole corporate structure is not made to no. facilitate these changes. No. Right? Um, how do you, uh, because I can imagine you see that as well mm-hmm. uh, at your clients as well. Uh, so how do you kind of trigger them to do something with their organization as well, instead of just saying, okay, we're building this cool tech and use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you kind of trigger them? How do you s- show them that that's also a v- very important point? Yeah, well, I think that it, it begins with how you start up a project or, or a program. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, a, in a, a lot of cases with what we see happening with, with innovation labs is that um, uh, they, they first start with, they, they start too big with, with too much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they said they set it apart in a, in a, a separate group. Yep. It's not connected to the, to the board anymore. Uh, and then cool tech comes out. The only thing is that the whole eco- ecosystem around it has not changed. Uh, so then at a certain point, it becomes bigger. And uh, then it's, it has to connect to the bigger outer world. The only thing, there, there's a big mismatch in that, co- in that connection. Um, <clears throat> or in that case, it, uh, if it comes out of the laboratory uh, or, or out of the, the innovation phase and it has to go to the real world, the systems around it are not capable of supporting the idea to bring it to real life. So exactly. then it's, it's a very cool product, product. Maybe there's even product market fit. Uh, the only thing is that the bubble around it is not able to bring it to the market. Um, uh, so what I think, which is which is crucial, is that it's very good that they start small, start small, uh, but even but then with the right foundation underneath it. So with already connection to stakeholders, um, uh, with um, uh, and that connection only only at the starting point, but with uh, constant connection. Yeah. So everybody uh, is acquainted with uh, with where we are standing and data driven because I think that ego and opinions are like the primary killers um, yeah, sure. uh, in, in getting a good product out there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's also the big difference I think between uh, startups and uh, large companies. Yeah, you need to measure it, right? You need to like measure if uh, if 
that innovation that you were testing if that has the right effect uh, yeah and it, it does what you actually expect it to do uh, and that's something that a lot of people are like yeah i think it works <laughs> that's what you hear a lot yeah i think that that data is crucial yeah uh, because it gets the opinion out of the way um and you really move forward based on on, on proven tests uh, the second thing is that well, innovation is, is and tech is key um, but those two can can only strive if you have the right culture in place yeah. um, and I think that if you miss one of those three elements then, uh, then you've got an issue yeah uh, we, we've touched on AI a little bit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel I feel uh, it's a it's a kind of a, it's a topic where a lot of people are divided on uh, if we really are there or where we are at, the, at mm. any point in time. So what's your view on it? So what's your kind of view on where we stand right now in terms of that, that kind of development to a real AI, if you can call it like mm-hmm. that? Because a lot of it right now is just machine learning and yeah. giving you data sets and stuff like that. Where do you feel we are right now and where we might go in the future? Um. I think we're currently at, at the beginning of a new era. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I think this is this is one of the. It, it's going to be massive. Um, uh, one of the biggest changes I think uh, for the past decades, uh, mm-hmm. maybe centuries. Um, uh, from my perspective, where we are right now is that we're we're out of the lab phase. Um, so it's it's accessible. Uh, people can use. It. The only thing is that it's not at at its full power yet. Um, so, for instance, uh, voice or speech or or image recognition uh, that that kind of stuff. It's still there, but it's not like um, it's not fluent. So it's 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 it, it, you can still see that it's AI in a lot of in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, but this this is a matter of time. Um, the thing behind it is 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 computer power, and computer power is getting there. It's getting stronger and stronger. And if computer power is getting stronger, then there's uh, more calculating power to support the AI, and the AI will get smarter. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that it, because it's, it's not only AI which brings the solution to the end user, it's the combination of different technology, uh, smart objects uh, or intelligent things, uh, digital twins, cloud to the edge, uh, blockchain, uh, event-driven uh, things, uh, conversational tooling. Well, a lot of tech, well, a lot of buzzwords, but also a lot of tech. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that if, you, if, if we can zoom out a bit, I think that the way we interact with technology is going to change and AI is going to to play like a, a very very big role in it. Uh, so now, I think technology is there just to resolve the pains of people, get friction out. Uh, yeah, that's what it basically does. Yeah. Um, um, and nowadays, it's your interface, like your telephone or your uh, your smartphone or or your your laptop uh, or your TV or whatever. It's an interface in which you interact with the application. Sure. With AI, we can really mingle technology into our day-to-day life. The only thing is that it's not smart and powerful enough to really have a very good uh, mesh in your in your life. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just a matter of time before it's there, but I think it will happen. Yeah, and uh, I was talking about that in the previous podcast about it a little bit, uh, where I touched on the voice assistants as well, mm. where I feel like um, they're not smart enough in some cases. Well, some of them have like a screen and uh, yeah. you can see stuff on it uh, when you, for example, ask them something, it mm. will actually pop up and show you something. But yeah. then I'm like, okay, but you're missing the kind of integration with the really big screens we have in our lives, mm-hmm. like TVs and stuff yeah. like that. Like mm-hmm. push it to my TV, please, because I'm, yeah. I want to see it there. I want to see it on my, on my TV instead of just on a really little screen, right? Yeah. And that's, that, those are kind of the things where I'm like, those are kind of the, the, the small things that when you actually implement them the right way, I mm. think will give you just one that's one little example but that will already 
make it seem so much smarter than it is right yeah. now. Uh, and and that's the same way for, as you said, uh, uh, image recognition or speech or whatever, mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, uh, I have the the Alexa, I have it here. But when when I talk to it and I say something and it doesn't understand me, I'm just frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's the thing. I think that uh, AI is real AI if you don't notice that it's AI. Yeah, uh, for exactly. instance, take Google Maps. If, if Google Maps notifies you that you have to leave because there's traffic, which is AI, yeah. Um, that's so seamless that nobody even thinks about it. Yeah, the uh, Google Now thing that they br- yeah. brought out a few yeah. years ago, which was yeah. already very good back then. Yeah, right? yeah, but but uh, if you if you try to order a pizza via your Google Home Assistant, or even turn the lights on, that can be a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, it's just a matter of time. But the, the device already there, and the, the device in itself is quite simple. It's just a microphone and an uh, Ethernet connection. Yeah. Um, uh, the power is behind it. Uh, but if you see what you can already do with... Uh, uh, with, with already service, for instance, the service available in Microsoft Azure or, or in the, the Amazon Cloud or AWS, um, it's amazing. It's going so extremely fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, I use a lot of them, so I, I know that they, uh, it, it's because they have bigger and beta, bigger data sets. Yeah. As long as they get like the bigger and bigger data sets, it will eventually get to a point where you're like, okay, this is pretty seamless, right? Yeah. But it's, um, uh, there are some things that uh, you mentioned quantum computing as well, where mm-hmm. I think uh, when you make bigger leaps in that space as well, th- then it will be even maybe even faster than you're doing it right now. The, the yeah, that's, that's, I think that's that's a huge pivoting moment. Yeah, uh, because yeah. Uh, the way we build computers these days is, is quite old. It's ones and zeros. Yeah. Um, with quantum computing, we really change the fundamentals of computing. Yeah. Um, uh, which means that you have excessive uh, calculation power at hand yeah. um uh, and if we and, and i think the only thing which holds us back from from the next step is calculation power yeah, yeah. and uh, computers how they work right now is not the it's not the best for every situation that's the thing we as you said the ones and zeros mm. are, are are very well in a lot of kind of uh, situations we have in our lives, but it's not always ones and zeros in in real life, right? It's it, you you sometimes have like a gray area. <laughs> what is it? Like, is no, it, I, I mean that. <clears throat> yeah, um, the technology is just of a computer is like electricity on or electricity yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. And, and but yeah. with the quantum computing, it has to do with the the, the set of the I think the qubit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so that's that's a that's a whole different. But the thing is that that's also very early stage. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just uh, the. Um, was it Google that had the whole announcement last time? I think it was, uh, where they they kind of built the well. Was it the first one? I don't know if it mm. was the first one, but it, it, the first like really working one. Yeah, right? and yeah. that's that's uh, that's a big leap forward to actually get it working at all. That, yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, and there, I saw some pictures of it. I was like, okay, this looks <laughs> nothing like a normal computer at all. <laughs> it's uh, totally different. A lot of copper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I want to. Uh, I have three more questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, so uh, when we go back to the kind of agencies and uh, how mm-hmm. uh, how they are uh, evolving and what kind of the, the future is like, um, how do you see that changing in the kind of, kind of coming years? How do you see like agencies changing how they interact with uh, their clients and stuff mm-hmm. like that? How do you how do you feel that uh, is going to change? 
Um, well, I think that, that there's no real answer to it because currently the whole agency landscape is uh, is evolving uh, yeah. and everybody is moving into somebody else's space. So uh, the big consultancy firms are, are moving into the creative agency space. The media agencies are moving into the creative agency space. For the sure. <laughs> yeah. Creative agencies uh, are moving into the digital space. The digital, uh, everybody's moving everywhere uh, and also um, clustering up together. So uh, organizations are getting bigger. Um, so I don't I don't know what what the exact outcome will be of what the new standard of an agency will be. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I do have a vision on on how I think our organization should be. Sure, um, go ahead. Um, uh, I think that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think that 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 agencies, um, whatever they do, that they they should not um, uh, be a specialist at one point, or you have to be a very very specific specialist serving a bigger agency. So, or you're like a a player on the whole customer journey, mm-hmm. uh, or you're a niche player supporting that that structure. Um, <clears throat> and I think that um, uh, digital agencies or creative digital agencies um, uh, should be playing along with the big consultancy firms. Uh, uh, on, on a strategic level uh, together with the media agencies and also with organization at, uh, advisory. advisory. Um, and, but then over the whole customer journey, so not specifically an agency on advertising, specifically an agency on digital development, on measurement, yeah. etc. Um, you have to have like one really holistic and very, very strong team uh, in there. And I think that um, uh, agencies should invest more in, in data science and, and, and data. Um, mm. Especially the bigger agencies, they should go. They should they should move more and more in, in, into the deeper technology uh, to be able to keep a system. What, what you see happening is that a lot of larger organizations are, are insourcing the, the studio work, uh, like the, the the creative but but less complex work. Um, uh, and I think that uh, tech agencies uh, should move more deeper into the tech zone because that's where the opportunities are. Yeah. That's, that's the next big, big struggle for larger organizations, I think. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> makes, makes a lot of sense. And I, I agree. It's a little bit hard to, to notice because um, what, what the agencies see or a lot of creative agencies, I think, see is that uh, clients kind of want a one-stop shop in one mm-hmm. in one hand where they're like, okay, I just want to talk to one organization for mm-hmm. all these kind of digital things. Yeah. Uh, and they don't really care if that's in one organization or they're working together with mm-hmm. another company or they, they don't really care, right? No. They, they just want the be- best solution. Yeah. They, want to, they want it to be uh, one seamless kind of, yeah, one seamless kind of thing right mm-hmm. it's, it's it's not it's not even uh, they, they they just want to see the best solution and the the, the less friction possible yeah, f- from, from a client perspective yeah. i think that as a client what you want is uh some kind of organizational structure yeah. um which has the power of the execution um of your ambition that's what you want yeah um and it can be a combination of, of in-house and and external uh, but can also be uh, a conglomerate of, of multiple agencies yeah. the only thing is that if you're on the agency side um then i think that you should be the guy the, the guy who's able to bring that power of execution uh, yeah. because um i think that's that's the trickiest part it's, it's easy to tell someone how to do it but to really do it uh that's a different ball game yeah yeah interesting because it's for me uh i i see it's it, that landscape especially i've worked in the kind of creative agency space mm-hmm. and that has changed so much yeah. <laughs> since since i've worked in it it's almost 10 years ago but mm-hmm. uh it it, it uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how that will how that will evolve so 
Uh, I had one more question. Oh, okay. last one. <laughs> I actually had one more, but we, you already answered that one, oh, so okay. that's that's it's okay. It's okay. Maybe get a bonus question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I want to. This is the last question, and it's always the kind of people find it the hardest one for some reason. But um, what are you kind of most proud of since you started this? Uh, since you started Dot Control and this whole journey that you are on for almost eighteen years now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to find yeah. one thing, I think. But uh, we'll uh, you can answer it with even more if you want. <laughs> what I'm most proud of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm think I think that I'm I'm um, most proud of the fact that where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in multiple aspects. So uh, when we started this organization, like in two students, we had we had this dream. Uh, okay, maybe we'd be uh, we'd be able to hire fifteen people at some point. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> that one we nailed. <laughs> um, but at, at at that point, when we were at the fifteen, like the pivoting moment, um, we had this big dream of of maybe 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 we could become like a large agency, and uh, but also with a with a very good structure, but especially culture. And um, that we were able to really uh, bring our vision to life. And, um, and now in retrospect, if you look at the organization, now we are able to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very proud of my team. Um, they're all beautiful people with a lot of passion and uh, with a very, very strong loyalty and culture, um, which is a thing I'm really proud of, bringing all those people together and, and creating that. Um, and then together creating those really cool products. and especially. I think I'm most proud when when uh, when it clicks. So when we are able to have our machine running on our side, you know, with with the culture and the structure and the teams, and then having a large organization and and see actual change and happiness on the client side. Mm. Um, um, that's I think one of the things I'm I'm most proud of. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Thanks a lot, Mark. You're welcome. Uh, it was uh, very cool talking to you. Um, how can people find Dot Control on the internet? Uh, well, that's quite easy. It's www.dotcontrol.com. Okay. Uh, or you can drop me an email at mark at dotcontrol.com. With a K or a C. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. No problem. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks again. And uh, for the people listening, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com. Uh, of course, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. It's all Bits vs. Bytes. And uh, there's a newsletter. If you want to sign it up, uh, you get uh, five things every two weeks on a Friday. Uh, it's on bitsvsbytes.com slash newsletter. And uh, I would like to thank you for listening. And until next time.